Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is with Pastor Mike Perez of Reach Bell Gardens and a message about grace. Enjoy this message. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. It's, it's a great honor uh, this morning to be here together with you guys. You know, uh, Pastor Omar, uh, Sister Letty, you know, I got, I got so many great memories you know, uh, they truly made a major impact. And yeah, when my wife and I first first came, as a matter of fact, when we first came to Paramount, this was the building that we came to. We used to live in uh, we used to live in Bellflower, and I had a friend that I worked with, and he kept on trying to encourage me to come to church. And I told him, "No, I I, I can't go. I've gotten divorced, and I've gotten remarried." want to go back and he, and he said why don't you go to Pastor Omar's church he's right on the street from here and I remember talking to my wife and talking to her about church not really wanting to come but she wanted to come and, and I told her I instructed her okay we're gonna go but you gotta understand something about this church it's a little bit different than other churches I go when you go there they're gonna ask you for your name I go they know my name they don't know your name <laughs> don't give them your name don't give them your phone number. Don't tell them where you live. Because <laughs> next thing you know, they'll be knocking on your door. And I remember coming in, I think, I can't remember exactly what, this, what it looked like, but I think the, uh, the platform was over here, and, and we sat towards the back, somewhere towards the back there. I think those were still the original doors. And I remember after service, Pastor Omar, I used to see Pastor Omar at the Golden Gate Theater. He used to do worship. And I remember seeing him. I remember after service, he he came around, and I was like trying to tell my wife, "Get ready." <laughs> remember everything I told you. <laughs> but man, from there on forward, Amen. Now, my wife and I, we struggled a lot in our walk with God. But man, Pastor Omar is and Sister Letty, you guys are like parents to us. Truly, you are like parents to us. I remember Pastor Omar made me feel like. Like I finally had somebody who cared. I remember him being at my house. And I couldn't, I would be blown away that you guys would come to our house. We lived in Compton. And they would come down. And it seemed like they liked hanging around with us. And I couldn't understand that. It's like, man, do they really like hanging around with us? Or just, they're good in character and they're good actors. I remember one time, we had just gotten our house in, uh, in La Mirada. And it was a Sunday. I think you guys were supposed to go over there to just kind of hang out with us and, and barbecue. And next thing you know, they're, they're pulling staples out of our hardwood floors. I think we spent the whole day. One day you showed up to my house and we were doing cement work in the back. And the next thing you know, <laughs> it's like 3 o'clock and he's still there full of cement. But you guys have a great pastor. My pastor. And I'm proud to call them my pastors. And this is, an, this is, let me tell you guys, more than, more than anything else, I don't know about my wife, but for me, this is a true, true blessing because God is just encouraging me so much this morning as I come and I see the love in this place. It's like, man, my, my pastors are still the same people. They haven't changed. They haven't changed, man. They're still, they're still the same people. 
It is awesome to hear that Renee's still working hard around here. I don't know where Renee's at, man, but Renee, Renee is my good friend, man. I don't know where he's at, but let me tell you, I am glad to hear, Renee, that you haven't changed, man, that you're the same guy. It is an honor. But this morning, I do want to minister, and I know there's some folks online, and I want to welcome everyone that's tuning in, all of you guys that have come out. And I was really struggling with this sermon because I'm thinking to myself, what do I pray? What do I preach on? I'm going back to Paramount. I want to minister. I don't just want to sound good. I don't just want to get a pat on the back. But I remember coming to church and sitting down and as the minister would speak, it wasn't that his words were inspiring me. It wasn't that it was just a good sermon. It wasn't that he was just eloquent, that he knew how to put his words together. But I remember the Spirit of God challenging me, encouraging me, embracing me to believe that someone like me could actually do something for the Lord. And I thought to myself, Lord, I want to be able to get out of your way. I want to be able to deliver something that, that you would use to, to encourage someone that's there. And it's always amazed me that, that God can take a message, one message, and minister to so many folks when we're all dealing with different issues and different struggles. We all come from different sorts of walks. We're getting ready to get into this, into our conference, the REACH conference. And it's so easy sometimes in the REACH conference to get caught up in the hype and say, man, the REACH conference, is, it's awesome. But sometimes, let's be tr if we're truthful, sometimes we're going into this conference and we're not as excited. We're going to be there. We're going to be a part of it. But in our walk, we're struggling. In our relationship with the church, we're struggling. In our relationship with one another, we're struggling. And I thought to myself, Lord, why is it that I'm still here? What is it that keeps me going? And I came to the understanding that it's by the grace of God, his grace, his grace. So this morning, I want to minister on his grace. So will you join me as we go before the Lord, whether you're here in person or if you're online, will you join me as we go before God and just pray for his presence and just pray for his Holy Spirit. Father, we come before you this morning. God, we pray for your presence. We pray for your hand. God, we pray that you would speak, God, that you would encourage, that you would embrace us, that you would challenge us, God, that this morning you would have your way here in this place. We thank you, Lord. We thank you this morning, God. And we ask this morning, God, that you help us to lay a hold, to truthfully lay a hold on your grace for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. So this morning, I, I kind of was just going through all the different things throughout this week of all the different things that, that I've gone through as, a, as an individual, as a person, my background, where I came from, uh, all the struggles that I've had. And, and I realized that God's grace is so amazing. And this morning, regardless of what you're going through, regardless if you're on a mountaintop, how many know there's, there, there's different seasons in life, right? And I don't know about you, but I enjoy the mountaintops, right? Except that the mountaintops, it's like a peak, so they don't last too long. The valleys are long, and it seems like we're there forever. Amen. But regardless of where you're at, it's all about the grace of God. So this morning, I want to minister on the grace of God. So if you guys have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read a couple verses there, uh, verses 12 through 19. And it says this. It says, I thank Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy. So that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display his ultimate patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 18, Timothy, my son, he says, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Amen. You know, this morning as, as we look at this passage Paul here, what he's doing is he's focusing on the, on the grace that's been given to him and the grace that will be given to all of those that will, that will entrust their lives to Jesus. Now, how many know this morning that a big part of us coming together and, and doing church is coming together and praising God for his amazing grace? Now, you know, I don't know, you know most of you guys don't know me or how I operate or how I work, but I'm really bad with songs. And I just, when, not just when I got saved, but even before that, I'm really good with beats. I can remember beats, but I can't remember lyrics. One of the few songs that I've been able, able to memorize is probably a song that a lot of you guys know is, is Amazing Grace. And it's, it's, a, it's a great song. Raise your hand if you know the song Amazing Grace, right? Uh, the, the, the first verse says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Newton, when he wrote this song, Amazing Grace, he got something right. Because if you're going to describe the grace of God, the best word to describe it is that word amazing. Because his grace 
is amazing. And this morning, I truly believe that when you and I really lay a hold of God's amazing grace in our lives, it'll, listen, it would, it would transform you from being religious to being a radical man or woman of God. When you and I truly grasp the amazing grace of God, can I be a little bit more transparent? It will cause you to stop complaining and start serving the Lord. When you and I really lay a hold of God's amazing grace for our individual lives, the grace that he displayed on your life, it will, it will transform you from not wanting to be involved to wanting to be involved because of his amazing grace. It will bring you to a point where you don't want to go to reach conference, but you're going to be there every single night because of his amazing grace. When you and I truly understand His amazing grace. The apostle Paul, he came to a point in his life where he laid a hold and understood God's amazing grace. And we see written in scripture what the amazing grace of God did in Paul's life. It transformed him. He says there in our text, he he says, listen, I was a persecutor. He says, I'm a violent man. This is, this is what I was. But when I experienced the amazing grace of God, it transformed him to sell out for God. When you and I truly understand and lay a hold of God's amazing grace. So this morning, what I want to do is look at God's amazing grace as it is described here in our text, in our passage. And there's three things that I, I believe that you and I this morning can pull out. And when we pull these out and understand, listen to me this morning. God, how many know this morning, and we hear it a lot in our church, God wants to use you. We hear that all the time. And sometimes I think it's bad that we hear it so, so much because we lose the sting of it. Right? We lose it. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And it's like, yeah, God wants to use me. God wants to use you. God wants to use you in such a way that you'll make an impact. That you'll make an impact in somebody's life. God wants to use you. When you and I begin to understand the grace of God, and the first thing is that God's grace, God's grace is greater than your past. God's grace is much, and when I talk about your past, when I was, when I was putting this, this point together, God's grace is greater than my past. I was thinking of all my failures. I was thinking of all my sin. I was thinking of all my wrong, of all the issues, of all the imperfections. But you know, this morning, there's a lot of us that our past, we have these highlights. And because of these highlights in our life, we, we cannot go forward and God's purpose, and God's destiny for our lives. But when we begin to understand that God's grace is greater than our past, it'll, it'll, it'll transform you. It'll change you. Listen to what Paul writes in verse, in verse 12. He says, I thank Jesus. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful. He says, I thank God. 
I thank the Lord Christ Jesus that he has considered me faithful and appointed me to his service. See, Paul is astonished here. He's astonished that Jesus would consider him faithful. He's astonished that Jesus would appoint him to service. Now, we have to understand something. (laughs) That Paul was anything but faithful. The truth is that Paul was opposed to Christ. Paul persecuted the church. But God called him and he calls him to service. And he says this in Acts chapter 9 verse 15. He says, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. See, what we see here is that God's grace was greater than Paul's past. And and it even becomes more astonishing when you and I begin to truly grasp who Paul was. In, In verse 13 of our text, Paul says, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. This is the way Paul is describing himself. Like, for instance, if I described my past, I was once a drug addict. I was once a car thief. I was once this. I was a jiver. I was a conniver. And all of us this morning can describe our past. Paul is saying, I'm a blasphemer. I'm a persecutor. And I am a violent man. The word blasphemer means to slander God or to slander God's name. The word persecute comes from a word that means to put to flight or to pursue or to follow after with a hostile purpose. Paul also says that he was a violent man. The word that he uses here means someone who is, who is deliberately after someone to harm, to humiliate out of pride and contempt. This is who Paul was. In Acts chapter 22, verse 4, he says, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Paul says, I went from synagogue to synagogue to beat those who believed in Jesus. See, Paul didn't just want to stop these men and women from following Jesus. Paul wanted to hurt them. Paul wanted to humiliate them humiliate them publicly this this is who Paul was and as bad as Paul was when Jesus confronts Paul Paul finds out that he was even worse than what he realized (laughs) because Jesus tells Paul listen You're not just persecuting these Christians. You're persecuting me. And yet, and yet, even though Paul was a blasphemer, 
even though Paul was a persecutor, even though Paul was a violent man, he says, I was shown mercy. I was shown mercy. He says in verse 14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. There's something about that word that you and I don't understand. We never serve ourselves abundantly. Like, if you're anything like me, I'm a guy that likes ice cream. I can eat ice cream. I can eat a whole lot of ice cream. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of ice cream lately. <laughs> and I like, when I serve myself ice cream, let me tell you guys what I do. Whether it's a bowl, a cup, I'll serve myself ice cream. And once it's full to the rim, I press down on it. <laughs> I make some room, right? You guys anything like me? And then I put some more. Right? And then I make sure. <laughs> right? But did you know when we do that, as generous as we are to ourselves, we're not serving ourselves abundantly. Abundantly means it overfills. It overfills. He says, God has given his grace to me. Not just to where I had enough, but abundantly. That means that, means that the grace that's given to me should overfill. You ever pour yourself a glass of water, a glass of milk, and you're not paying attention? And you end up serving yourself abundantly? And it overfills and it affects the table. It affects the napkin that's around. Is God's grace in your life affecting those around you? Is it affecting your family? Because when God gives us his grace, it's not just enough for you. He doesn't just give you enough to fill it up to the rim, but it's abundantly. This is what he says right here. Despite his past. Despite his past, despite who he was, he says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Paul has sinned against God. Paul has sinned against the church. Paul has sinned against Christ. And yet the Bible tells us, and we see here in scripture, that God's grace was poured out in Paul's life abundantly. You see this morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your past, I don't know what your yesterday was. I don't know your failures. I don't know your struggles. I know you're here this morning. I do understand something that all of us, we struggle here and we struggle there and we try to pursue God. I don't know if you've ever gone through a week where, where you pray pray every single day you ever gone through one of those weeks where every morning you prayed and you come to church you feel like you're walking on water right you ever you ever there but are you ever there when you come into church and you haven't prayed all week long you haven't prayed all month you haven't prayed all year and you come in here and you say woe is me god's grace is greater than your past god's grace is greater than your past I don't know what you did yesterday. I don't know what you did last week, last month. I don't know what you've done during COVID. Did you quit on God? Did you quit on church? I don't know what you've done, but let me tell you something. God's grace is better, stronger, 
than your past. Second thing that, I, that we see here that I think is so amazing, and I never even thought about this. God's grace displays his patience. My goodness. Raise your hand if you're patient. Nobody better raise their hand. None of us are patient. Or... You ever go to a restaurant? You ever go to a restaurant and you order your food and you've been sitting there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and somebody shows up after you, you see them, they get seated to their table, and their food comes before yours? You stand up like, what the hell? Really? Really? You ever been there? You ever waited for, on your, your spouse, whether it's your husband or wife? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I'm married. <laughs> huh? You're in traffic? Come on! You're, you're yelling like, if you're anything like me, I'm, come on! Like, really? You ever impatient with a disciple? You ever impatient with what God's doing in your wife, in your husband's life? Disappointed to walk into church because you know how impatient you are, and you believe, well, the church is impatient with me too. I'm not where I should be. God's grace displaces patience. In our text, verse 15, he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? To save who? The perfect? <laughs> the well-educated? The well-behaved? Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And here's something very vital that he does. He says, of whom I am the worst. I get bugged when I read that. Like, Paul, you said that before I was born. <laughs> you had no idea who I was going to be. This saying is one of the... It's, it's one of five sayings, trustworthy sayings, that Paul uses in his letters. You, when you do a study on this, you realize that some of these sayings were teachings that were passed around the church before the, the gospels were even written. And Paul says that this particular saying is one that deserves full acceptance. This saying is not only trustworthy, but he says that it should be personally welcomed and accepted by all who hear it. And the saying is, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. For God, in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is good news. Because you know what this means? Because if you're anything like me, I mess up. And I mess up a lot. I fall short. And within our humanity, 
Every time we mess up, we try to hide on God. Like Adam and Eve in the garden. But the reality is this morning, what we see here is that we don't have to hide from God. He came to seek that which was lost. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then when, we, when Paul gets to that word sinners, at the very end he says, of whom I am the worst. I always get stuck with that. Because I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like you're the worst? So I've always asked myself, Paul, are you exaggerating here? Or are, are you, why are you saying, is this, is this one of those times, you ever feel sorry for yourself? You don't have to raise your hand, but sometimes I feel sorry for myself. And when you feel sorry for yourself, like, I'm the worst guy. He's not saying it in pity. I really believe that, that at this moment in his walk with God, he, feel, he feels like he's the worst. You know why? Because Paul knows Paul like nobody knows Paul. Mike knows Mike. I look good up here right now. Right? I took a bath this morning. I took a shower. I put on my Sunday cologne today. I look good. But I know the real me. You know the real you. Paul knew who Paul was. And this is why he says, I am the worst of sinners. He was being completely honest. But again, he's not saying this in pity of himself. He's saying this to declare a point. And he says in verse 16 of our text, but for that very reason. See, Paul knew Paul. He knew all of his issues. He knew all of his hangups. He knew himself how he felt unworthy. He didn't feel like he was the man of God. He didn't feel the way we feel about him, about himself. And he says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display what? Christ Jesus might display his ultimate patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Did you know that God's grace demonstrates his patience with you? You know, I didn't understand this. When I first got saved, I thought that when I accepted the Lord, I was like, I got I to gotta change that instant. I got to, from this point on forward, I got to be different. I went to the altar. I repented. I didn't understand the process of sanctification. And what I didn't understand, even bigger than that, is I didn't understand that through that process, he was patient with me. See, sometimes my wife was impatient with me. Sometimes people weren't patient with me. But his grace displays that he's patient. Don't give up. Don't quit. God's not done with you. And he's not like me. He's patient with you. He knows you still have struggles. He knows you still have issues. He knows you're struggling through. But don't quit. Don't give up. He's patient with you. Just like he was patient with Paul, he's patient with you. He's patient with all the issues and struggles that you're going through. All the hang-ups that you're dealing with. God is patient. 
And the last thing, the last thing that we got to grab from this is that God's grace should motivate us to continue to go forward. You see, I always get upset when people are dealing with their sin and they use God's grace as a crutch. God's grace is not a crutch. God, you, you, raise your hand if you, you grew up with Superman, watching Superman. I don't even know if that's still on, you know, cartoon. I used to watch cartoons all the time, right? It wasn't in the movies. Superman. And, and, man, you know, I don't know. Raise your hand if you feel like a Clark Kent. You know, I was like Clark Kent. You know, you know the glasses. You weren't good with the women. You're, you're, you know, you're this and you're that. And you're just, you struggle with this and you struggle with that. And, and a lot of times in our walk with God, we're, we're, we're like Clint, right? He str- but, man, what about when Clint would go into the phone booth? You guys know what a phone booth is? But a lot of you young people don't even know what a phone booth is, right? <laughs> it was this little small room, like two by two. You would go in there and there was a phone in there. Put a quarter in there and you'd be able to use it and call the girlfriend, right? <laughs> but once he went into that phone booth and he came out with his cape, now he would be able to do things that he wasn't able to do as Clark Kent. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. God's grace this morning should, should equip us to continue and persevere in our faith. After stopping... And reflecting on God's grace and giving God praise for his grace. Paul, what he does is he gives Timothy some instruction. And in verse 18 and 19, he says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So that by following them, you may fight the good fight. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. Now we got to catch this. Paul addresses Timothy as a son. It's vital that you understand that. Why? Because the encouragement that he's giving is not from just any normal person. It's not something that we should blow off. It's a father giving his son instruction. When I give my son instruction, I'm giving him the best I got. I'm giving it out of concern. I'm giving it to him out of care. So we got to, what, what is the encouragement? Timothy, my son, wake up. This is from dad. I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So that by following them, you may fight the good fight. You're just Timothy. Fight the good fight. Those two words right there that he uses there. Fight the good fight. Are both military war words. To engage in warfare. You know, one thing I've learned about church folks, we're good at warfare. But if we're not careful, we're fighting the wrong war. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we are not fighting against people made out of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers. Of the unseen world, those, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spiritual world. He says, fight the good fight. <laughs> what fight are you engaging in this morning? 
God's grace enables us to persevere and fight the good fight. To fight the good fight means that we stand anchored in God's word, surrendering ourselves. Oh, this is a part that a lot of us, we struggle, me included. Surrendering, dying to our emotions. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight that's not led by emotions, by feelings, but fight the good fight that is led by anchoring in God's word, not allowing sin, not allowing the flesh to control, lead you or dictate what you do. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone should come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Timothy tells, Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight. He says, fight the good fight by holding on to faith and a good conscience. <laughs> See, this morning, not only should we believe in Jesus, but our faith in Jesus our belief in God should impact our behavior, our conduct, how we carry ourselves. God's grace should motivate us this morning to persevere in our faith and not to give in to our lust or our feelings or our emotions. God is patient. God is patient with you and me. But God's grace should never be an excuse. God's grace should motivate you and me. Should motivate us this morning to persevere in our faith. When I started, I was talking about the song Amazing Grace. Most of us in church, we're familiar with that song. We can sing that song. But if you're anything about, like me, you don't know about John Newton. John Newton, he's, he's the one that wrote the song. Let me tell you something about him that I found on the internet. Before John Newton became a Christian and wrote the song, he was, in, he was involved in the slave trading business and was actually the captain of a slave trading ship. Once when he encountered a violent storm at sea, Newton cried out for God's mercy and deliverance and God brought him safely through the storm. Realizing that God has shown him a mercy that he did not deserve, he was drawn by God's grace to put his faith in Christ several years later. He eventually left the slave trading business and became a pastor. But he was always deeply aware of God's grace in his life. You know what I believe? I believe that Newton, 
like Paul the Apostle, considered himself to be the chief of sinners. You know why I say that? Listen to what is what was written on this tombstone. John Newton, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he long labored to destroy. It says, it is, it is said that when Newton was 82 years old and his health was failing, this is what he said. My memory is nearly gone. But there's two things that I remember. That I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. God's grace. God's grace is greater than your past. God's grace reveals and demonstrates to you, to me, that he's patient with us in this process of sanctification. I don't know where you're at this morning. And let me tell you, if you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I can't make it. I can't do it. No, you can. But with God's grace, you can persevere. You can persevere. You can be who God has called you to be. You can step into the purpose and destiny that God has for your life. This morning, if I could just have every head bowed and every eye closed. I close this morning before we dismiss this service I want to give everyone an opportunity to accept Jesus in their heart as Lord and Savior whether you're here or maybe you're online and you're watching this and you would like to accept Jesus if you're here this morning or you're online and the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart might be thinking, you know what? I'm not ready for this. I'll do it tomorrow. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Why? Because we don't know what the day of tomorrow holds. We're not promised tomorrow. If you're here or you're online, you're tuning in, let me tell you, today's your day. And this morning, if you would like to accept Jesus Christ in your heart, whether you're here or online, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept the Lord in my life this morning. Amen. Amen. Church, can we all stand to our feet? You know what we're going to do real quick is we're going to pray. And if you're here and you're not, you're not serving the Lord, you're back, you're away from God, and you would like to accept Jesus, we're going to say a prayer. I encourage you take that step of faith. If you're online and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm online, nobody, let me tell you, it's, it's vital that we take that step of faith. You're online and you want to accept the Lord, this is your day. And we're all going to say a prayer together. All of us together, because if you're here or online and you're accepting the Lord, you're not alone. We're going to come alongside of you. So all of us together, let's just say this prayer. Say, God, 
I come before you in Jesus' name. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. From this day forward, help me to live for you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the penalty of my sin. I believe that on the third day, he rose again. And in Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Listen, if you're here and you said that prayer, or if you're online and you said that prayer, I encourage you, let let somebody here know. Drop a comment. Let somebody know online, I accepted the Lord. Because all we want to do is come alongside of you and help you and encourage you in this decision that you've made of accepting Jesus Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior. But listen, this morning, God's grace. God's grace. God spoke to you. God challenged you. We're going to open up the altar. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat. Come up to the altar. Just let go and let God this morning. This worker's here. They're going to come up. They're going to pray alongside of you. They're going to believe God for you. But listen, don't stay there. Don't stay sitting in your seat. God challenged you. God impressed upon you. God speaking to you. I hate not responding to the Lord myself. You know why? Because I'm a dad. And whenever I speak to a son, whenever I speak to my daughter, I hate when they don't respond to me. I hate it as a father. And so I feel like that when God's speaking to me, like, man, God, I know how you feel, but I don't respond. So can I encourage you this morning? God's speaking to you. Respond to him. Step out of your seat. Come up to the altar this morning. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.